Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. This holiday season, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us with their annual season of hope. Between Thanksgiving and New Year's Eve, the foundation will deliver mortgage-free homes to dozens and dozens of America's catastrophically injured veterans, fallen first responder families, and Gold Star families. Bring hope to heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. Welcome in to another brand new episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. It's Kelsey, as always, joined by DJ. And DJ, this has been a wild, wild week in sports. Just the last 72 hours or so, the the NFL trade deadline and all of the things that came with it, as well as the college football playoff polls just released. I mean, there's been some absolute drama so early in the week. The meme where the one cartoon dog is sitting in a house surrounded by fire saying everything's fine. That's pretty much what the last 24, 24 to 72 hours in sports has been. It's like every time you think you get comfortable, something seems to go off. I mean, there's COVID, there's playoffs, there's everything you can get along to. And honestly, we're not even going to try and centralize it. We're going to start things off with a tip off brought to you by Dr. Squatch. Check out the new Spartan Soap inspired by Halo. I know you game, gamers out there love it. And we're going to centralize it into all of that. We're going to call it the chaos of the last 72 hours. Yeah, that's... This has been absolutely crazy. We're going to start off with the playoff poll just because that'll be the easiest, believe Mm -hmm. it or not, somehow to break down first. And the top four, if you guys don't know, it goes Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, and Michigan State. Sorry, Michigan State, and then Oregon. I'm just (sighs) going to let that marinate for a second. And then the first two out, number five, Ohio State, and number six, Cincinnati. And just, just pause, breathe it in, let it out. Breathe it in again. Let out some more steam. Breathe it in again. Let out some more steam. Anybody else find this blasphemous? Oh, oh, pick me. Pick me. Pick me. Yeah, DJ, go ahead. What the heck? I don't understand it. Okay, Georgia number one. We got that one right. Congrats. That's about all that's right so far, it feels like. Number two, you have Alabama, who lost to the unranked Texas A&M. Sure, it is Alabama. We know Alabama Invitational. You already have them at two. Like, not you squeak them in at four. We're like, okay, whatever. Two. Number three, you said it was Oregon. We're uh, pro Michigan Oregon State, getting Michigan the State's number three. Oh, sorry. Michigan State number three. Excuse me. Well, all right. Oregon number four. We'll just jump to number four first. We have, we've been advocating if things play out how we expect them to, Oregon should get in if they remain one lost Pac-12 champions. You have them already in there ahead of we'll, – we'll get to the teams that aren't in there. I'm going down the list. But all right, Oregon, we can see you sneaking in there. But you already had them in there. What? Michigan State at three. If they win the Big Ten, they're in. Like, we're not arguing that one. After what they just did, we're not going to argue too much about that. Ohio State is your first team out, not even just on the bubble, your first team out. So you're telling me a team that if Michigan State's going to make it, Ohio State's not going to. There's no way they both make it, honestly, the way I look at it. Because if 
Michigan State loses Ohio State, Ohio State's getting Michigan State's out and vice versa. Then number six, Cincinnati, undefeated. Desmond Riddler's star potential Heisman-ish candidacy quarterback. We'll see how it plays out, but he's in, in the conversation. Beat everybody put in front. Beat a Notre Dame team, which we will talk about. As number a, 10. Yeah, even though we always say like they're a little overrated at number 10, but they're still there. They still lost to Cincinnati. Cincinnati beats everyone in their path. Are ranked number two in the AP poll, and yet somehow aren't in the college football playoff. Oh, and by the way, Big 12 leading and undefeated Oklahoma, not even in the first two out. They're like what set? They're not even mentioned. They're number, number eight, and number seven is Wake Forest, who is also an undefeated ACC team, who is also a Power 5 team, and that's another issue as well. Exactly. So it's like, how did you come up with this? Like, where, what was your thinking here? Like, what, what, as soon as I'm gonna let you rant about this a little bit too, and then we can give like who we think the four teams should be. But like, how did you come up with this? It's like two plus two equals X to the third power of 18 fish. Like this isn't even like two plus two equals five where you're slightly off. Like you cross two different planes of math to get this. I don't understand. it. Yeah. Look, uh, let's just start. Uh, the, the one team we left out of this top 10 is Michigan at number seven, by the way. So yeah, it goes yeah. just for, for people out there, the top 10, Georgia, Alabama, Michigan State, Oregon, Ohio State, Cincinnati, Michigan, Oklahoma, Wake Forest, and Notre Dame. Okay, now let's just break this down. We'll go into the top four here. Alabama should not be in the top four yet. Do they have the opportunity in throughout the season to make it here? Yes, they should. they should have the opportunity to make it there because they still play Georgia in the SEC championship if they make the SEC championship. Now, just going by this scheduling, Alabama still has a 12th, sorry, 13th-ranked Auburn who plays a 14th-ranked Texas A&M this week. They beat them. Then they play a 17th-ranked Mississippi State later on. And then Auburn then has an opportunity to play Alabama, who if they, obviously, as all intents and purposes, you believe they will still be a two-ranked college football playoff team. That then means if Auburn beats Alabama and goes to the SEC Championship, which they would go there if they beat Alabama and could win out, they would still be ranked behind Alabama. And you'd still give Alabama the opportunity to sneak in if Georgia were to, say, beat Auburn in the SEC Championship game, making it mean absolutely nothing to any of the regular season games. This, that's just the SEC problem with that I have with this. Now, there's the Big Ten problem I have with this. How is Ohio State your first team out? They lost to Oregon. How is Michigan still within reach of this team when they just got stomped by Michigan State, who, by the way, up until this point, had been ranked outside of the top 10? Biggest mover by far, Michigan State. Okay, now you're telling me these one-loss teams are better than two undefeated teams in number eight, Oklahoma, and number nine, Wake Forest. I don't see it. I don't care what the rosters say. I don't care what the talent is. The record states that they are not better because they do not have as many wins. Period. Exclamation point. Power five conferences are supposed to be treated the same. If there's a power five conference that's undefeated, they go ahead of a one-loss power five team. That's their own rules. That's the precedent they have set to this point. And then you add in a Cincinnati who has done nothing but beat everybody in front of them and beat Notre Dame, who, yes, we all agree is overrated. Let's not get it twisted. Notre Dame this year is very overrated. They're still number 10 in the college football playoff committee. They were number eight when they played them. They were undefeated, and that's the only team they beat. They will have played the same amount of teams that will be ranked as Oregon by the end of the season. 
if SMU can hold on to a top 25 spot. Now tell me what's, why not give them the same opportunity you're giving somebody like Oregon? I, I still believe if all things shake out, Oregon is a better team than Oklahoma. I still think they're a better team than Wake Forest. But to just shun Cincinnati to the side and just be like, yeah, you're undefeated, but you're not a Power 5 team, so what, you, what you've done doesn't matter. Like, literally, there is no implication whatsoever on losses in or regular season games, period, in this in this playoff committee selection. It's literally like they just got in the, in a room and like, huh, you know what would be a fun game to watch? Let's watch Alabama-Georgia for a repeat. What about Georgia versus Michigan State in those running attacks? Oh, that'd be really fun. What about Oregon's really fast offense? That would be really cool. But what if one of these teams loses? Well, let's take Ohio State there because we all know Ohio State can, can bring in the money for us. Like, that's what this seems like. This seems like just like who can bring us the money, not who's the best team, who's the best prospect. I have so many. This goes beyond just the top 10, but just the top 10 alone, it's miserable. All right, bounce, we're going to go right back to you on this one, too. So we, we broke down why this top four playoff setup is stupid, but why theirs is terrible. What should the top, what would your top four be? Go one, two, three, four. Who would they be if you were, if you were the playoff committee? I'm giving it to the, the Power Five un, undefeated first. So it's going to go Georgia. It's going to go Michigan State. And then follow so Michigan that State's up. at two, right? Yeah, Michigan State's okay, at two. Cool. Follow that up. Oklahoma would get three. Wake Forest would be four. And Cincinnati would be five. And that's purely based off of the standards they've set in the past years. That would be my top five. Number six, first one out would probably be Alabama because I'm not going to deny the fact that they are potentially the second best team, but they have also lost. So, you know, they don't deserve to be in the top four yet. And that, what that allows is it allows shakeups in their conferences still to, have, to, to, to play out and, and you can still have them drop out just as easily. Fair enough. Mine's a slight twist because I'm not going to follow their president because I hate their presidents they've sent. They've said because college football seems like they've done just about everything wrong besides actually watching the game. So it's the only thing that's done right. And if you will watch them, you can't watch them with the normal cat with the normal commentators because on, on CBS, they were kind of terrible. So yeah, that's They're why awful. you tuned in us on Colorcast. But that's another story. But anyway, what I look at is Georgia's number one. I think that's the only thing everybody agrees on right now is Georgia's the number one team in the country and they should be. That's like the unanimous, that's consensus. Nobody seems to be arguing that. Number two, I'm going to give it to Michigan State simply because they beat it. They've beat a top 10 team in Michigan who's ranked number eight at the time, if I'm not mistaken. Or they were ranked number six, and Michigan State was number eight. Like, that's the biggest win on the schedule for any of these teams, arguably, so far. So, like, they're going to take that spot as the power five, everything you said, leading the Big Ten. Number three, I'm going with Oklahoma, similar as you, Big 12 leader, beating everybody in front of them, beating, I think, a couple ranked teams, if I'm not mistaken. Number four, I'm still sticking with Cincinnati. I know, like, the power five should get first dibs, but Cincinnati's beaten a top 10 team. Wake Forest has not done that yet. So, so I'm going to give the slight edge to Cincinnati. Everything they've done, they've kept it rolling. So Cincinnati's at that. I'm still going to go with – I'm going to put right, – this is weird, but I'm going to put Wake Forest at five, that first one out for everything you said, undefeated power five. I'm going to put Alabama at six with – if they do beat, let's hypothetically say, SEC championship, they beat Georgia, they could jump multiple spots because that would be the biggest win of the season oh, for anybody. Yeah, 100%. Whoever beats Georgia, that's the biggest like, – and then Oregon's right there at seven where if they win the Pac-12, they could jump everybody else as well too. Like they would jump an Alabama team that has two losses. They'd – probably jump as we'll say Cincinnati finishes undefeated. They get in there, but maybe like it, it puts Oregon as that base, that first fill in if they win the whole pack 12 and it has Alabama as the first fill in if they win the entire, excuse me, sec and beat Georgia. So like, there's a little bit of tween other wake force might end up being the odd one out. It just depends how things play out. But if Oregon loses the pack 12 and Alabama loses to Georgia, like we like is very possible, then wake force could be one that sneaks in there. Somebody else stumbles. So it's kind of how it lined up. So wake force is technically next in line, but they are very jumpable by the two very below them. And Ohio State, 
they're right below that as well, too, where if Ohio State wins the Big Ten, they could jump all three of them because beating a top two ranked Michigan State team, it, that means their quality of wins gives you room to jump. But the losses to unranked team, a loss to an unranked team that Alabama had, that's gonna hold them, that's gotta hold them back a little bit. Losing to Oregon, it holds Ohio State back a little bit more, but they'll be they'll be able to jump everybody if they beat Michigan State or Michigan as well, too. Like they they have the most they have the easiest path back if they just went out. Like they will get get in if they went out and someone else stumbles. So that's how I look at it. Is like you give them what they have now and you rank them a little bit lower, but that doesn't mean they can't shoot right up as so easily. We could easily end up with Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. The four of the mandatory the four. I mean, this right. could be the final four right here. That how it shakes out. Like I'm okay with that as a final four, but right how they now, have it ranked right now is absolutely abysmal yeah like i'm and i agree with you i agree wholeheartedly like having having number six be bama number seven be that oregon team that's exactly right because you need to allow for that opportunity if they win their division why are they not in the consideration like you win a power five conference you deserve some kind of consideration and you look at their biggest win a number top two ranked ohio state team as well too that's a huge feather in the cap so they should be ahead of ohio state and not to mention they win the pac 12 they will win the whole thing with the quote-unquote head-to-head tiebreaker over them their one loss is a double overtime loss to stanford in which they got screwed in regulation anyone who watches the game if we're in i know you could be like oh the result all that matters is the wins and the loss well if that's the case then get alabama and ohio state completely out of here if we're going to play that game the and quality of wins is their, their best running back during that game of stanford and they exactly completely shut down exactly and you look at that overtime that pass interference on fourth down and goal was not pass interference and that's like we can do this all day but if we want to just try and narrow this down to the least ridiculous way i think the way either one of the ways we laid it out would be more ideal than we have here. We don't. We have really low expectations for the college football playoff committee, but they continue to disappoint us in ways that I don't even know how to put into quantitative words without sounding like just a raging, bumbling goofball. So I'm just going to say they could do better, and the best way to do this is expand it to eight teams. It's better to have like, all right, nine or ten, while some, one, one team kind of gets mildly host because it's like, oh, they only have one loss. They should be in there. Like, let's say michigan with one loss is ranked number 10 at the end of the year or something like then they don't get in or they have two losses and just miss it that's not as bad as like what we're on the verge of seeing right now where multiple undefeated teams get the hose yeah like let's say they drop it to eight and then or they they move it out to eight and then you bump wake forest up into eight and oklahoma to seven and michigan out to ten out to nine i'm perfectly acceptable of that top eight that is a fantastic top eight to me i would love to watch that game and I, i don't get why they don't do that like you know, it's honestly, they talked about how bad the BCS was. Honestly, I didn't hate the BCS as much as this. This is just egregious. This is just a bunch of dudes who have financial ties to these universities and conferences in a room talking about how they can make more money for their conferences at the end of the day. Like there's not any actual football conversation going. Half of them haven't even played the sport of football since they were peewees. BCS is bad. This is terrible. The only other way to do it is uh, give it the pa- the power five with every power five winner a spot. That's the only way you can do it. If you win your conference, you get in. That's the playoff, basically. And then you that's the only way to do it where you can every eliminate. power five and then the top two best at large bids get an automatic like so bet best two second of five if they're undefeated. Oh, yeah. Let's I'm just say, saying like the one way where nobody has a chance to pick it because the like, kind of like how the NFL does. It's like whatever you stand in the division gets you in. That's the only way to do it is just pay, take the division leaders. But you can't even do that because you end up with five and other teams kind of left out in the cold. So like there's no right way to do this, but there's a whole lot of wrong. We've really specialized in the wrong in recent most of our lives in college football. They've really centered in on the wrong. We've only had maybe out of the 30 years we've been alive or so. We've seen maybe eight national championships. We're like, no question. That's easy. Not a problem. Man, I'd say half of the ones through the, the early 2000s, with the exception of like 2004, um, shoot, the ones from 2008 to 
2013, I'd say are, were fantastic selections by the committee. Uh, I mean, I don't think there was any argument, except for maybe the LSU year, uh, where LSU-Bama went back-to-back in, in the SEC. Or, well, they played in the regular season. Alabama beat the crap out of them then. And they played in the, the, the national championship, and LSU couldn't even cross the 50. It was the same exact thing. Oh, that was the one where LSU beat them in the regular season because they – Alabama missed like four field goals. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, because yeah. that was uh, yeah, the, that was the year Trent Richardson scored the only touchdown in the championship, and it should have been Oklahoma State that got in there because they were, uh, if I'm not mistaken, a one loss team that was putting up points left and right with Brandon Weeden and squad. Granted, they probably would have got smoked either way, but at least we'd had some parity and something that made sense, and not a I think it was 21 to three game or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, a team where LSU didn't cross the 50 until the fourth quarter. So, yeah, like yeah. That was look, I mean, just embarrassing. I still remember, I still remember the old USC Oklahoma game in the early 2000s and that's why I say 2004 and and that that year of just throw them in there cuz they're there like no 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 exactly just because it's Oklahoma does not mean you automatically throw them into a big game against USC you're going to get wiped and that they did they got wiped real bad so i mean there's so many different ways to do this and it seems like we've really narrowed in on how to do it the wrong way so Absolutely. hopefully it is something that gets picked and things plowed in a way that's uh, better off yeah, and now, so what's crazy about this, that was the easy part of our first half of the tip-off. Uh, now we're going to crank things up to 11. And yeah, now we go NFL and the 72 hours that have been this NFL season. And let's just go ahead and start off and say, obviously, we all know the Henry Rugg story by now. That is a terrible situation, and all of our wishes go out to the families involved. And that's as far as we're going to speak on it, because we don't know the details of anything else beyond this at this point in time. The only thing we'd say is if the Raiders make the playoffs, Derek Carr deserves to be the MVP. Basically, everything that team has gone through this year, and he's been the one solid catalyst leading force, like the bravo to that man. I don't care what his stats say. I don't care what anyone else says. I don't care if Tom Brady throws for 70 touchdowns. If Derek Carr leads this team to the playoffs, winning the division, with all the mess they've gone through, he gets the sentimental MVP. I know I talked about his OnlyFans deep ball last week, but this is something that can't really even be put quantitatively. This is this the is emotional the true, MVP. The true measure of a leader, what, whatever happens for the Raiders go, going on. Honestly, if they finish with an above 500 record, he deserves a fist. He deserves a fist bump and a contract extension. Even if you like, my goodness, what is good walking into Raiders headquarters this year has been a firestorm. Absolutely. So that's obviously the, that's been the big dominating story. And, and there's been a lot that's happened beyond that. That's even more impactful for the entire NFL. And let's just start uh, with the trade deadline. Let, right. Let's keep it simple to start with and work our way to the OGs. We'll start with the Chiefs, who, by the way, and this we're actually, ironically, the whole trade deadline revolves around the AFC West and the NFC West. So ironically enough. So the Chiefs trading offensive guard DeVernier Tardif to the Jets for a backup tight end. Really interesting pick there with DeVernier Tardif. You, you think you need an offensive lineman? Well, the Jets off their first one said, I want an offensive lineman more. <laughs> and uh, going to get DeVernier Tardif whenever he returns. And then also the Chiefs acquiring Melvin Ingram for a six round pick from the Steelers. I mean, you fix it, help fix a defense there. I, I know Melvin Ingram's kind of struggled this year. Only one sack. He hasn't been exactly electrifying for that Steelers defense opposite TJ Watt. But I mean, it couldn't hurt if you're the chiefs, you have a historically bad defense. Nobody's on the right page. Tyron Matthews turning around yelling at everybody. Every single play. It looks like it seems like every play turns around and is like, where are you? Or some, there's a complaint there. Dan Sorensen is like just a dynamo. It's like a Tasmanian devil missing two eyes. Half the time. You don't know what he's doing. Legereus need, isn't quite the same force he was two years ago or even last year. He's, I don't want to say he's regressed. He just isn't quite as, he isn't out as outstanding as he he's has. He's trying been. to do too much. And it, he's, he's the only man trying to do too much. And then the, like they, it couldn't hurt at this point. Him opposite Chris Jones to Frank Clark. Maybe Melvin Ingram's able to get you like six more sacks in the rest of the season. That's a big upgrade from what they're getting right now because they can't really cover anyone in their pass rush. Chris Jones hasn't been Chris Jones. Frank Clark, 
He's gone talk about some weird messes off the field. He has his own issues to deal with, but he's playing right now. And the Chiefs offense is not the Chiefs offense right now. But so it couldn't hurt him for a six round pick. Why not? I mean, plenty of other teams that they needs pass rush. It's like, well, why didn't you look at him? Why didn't you offer a fifth round pick? So yeah. good on the Chiefs. Not a bad deal. If he's terrible, you lost a six round pick, and well, you weren't getting any better anyway. So why not? I still love him. Uh, you know, I still thought he was a great pickup by the, the Steelers. Just didn't play enough. And he won, he's like, I want out then. They, they get me out of here. When he was on the field, it was fantastic for TJ Watt. TJ Watt was absolutely explosive when he was on the field. But, you know, he just didn't see the field enough. So we'll see if he can get on the field, first of all, for the Chiefs. But secondly, if he does, I do think that's going to help them a lot. There's absolutely pass no rush. reason for him to be on the field. That's the best way to put it as well, too. There's no reason for them not to play him with that defense. But he's not the only pass rusher that was on no. the move. No, there's a big one. And it, I mean, man. So there's a whole thing with this that goes along with this as well. But we're just going to talk about the trade for right now. And we'll get into that part later on in, in the highs and lows because that's a discussion I'll have there. But Broncos trading Von Miller to, of all teams, the team we didn't think had any more draft picks to part ways with, and that's Little the LA did we Rams. Know. Yeah, for a second and third round pick in the 2022 draft. I'm sorry, where did the Rams pull these picks out of? Uh, I don't know, but I'm going to talk more about them in our highs and lows as well too, so I'll keep mine quick on this one. It's kind of funny when you look at it. Since they took Jared Goff in the first round in 2016, they looked at that and were like, no, nah, I'm not making that mistake again. I've traded away every pick since then. They have not had a first-round pick since then, and they don't have anything coming up soon. They have a fifth-round pick and a sixth-round pick they got from the Dolphins in this next draft, if I'm not mistaken. If they even hold on to those, maybe those get traded on de- trade deadline or in the offseason as well, too. We'll see. But they just kind of give them a little bit of credit in that they don't – they're like, you know what, why take a risk on a draft player when we could trade and get a X-Factor superstar? Now you have Von Miller opposite Aaron freaking Donald with Jalen Ramsey in the back. Like, my goodness, like the defense may have some holes, but my goodness, they got some damn good duct tape with those guys as well, too. And Von Miller, just if he can rekindle even one eighteenth of that Super Bowl 50 MVP form, good luck, everybody else. It makes my Rams preseason Super Bowl prediction feel a whole lot more comfortable. Yeah, look, they went to the store looking for masking tape and they found Flex Hill <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, we got this now. This is, I don't know how you do this. Like, what? They went to the store. They went to the car store to pick up just like a Hyundai, and they walked away with a damn charger. Yeah, like at this point in time, it's like it, parcel. The, 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 their GM speaking parcel tongue or something, getting these uh, other GMs to agree to these deals. I don't get it. Like, if I'm sending a player, I'm just literally my like the one no on my list is Rams because what are they going to give me? Oh, by the way, we have a second and third round pick just sitting here. Here you go. Like, all right, sixty four and. 93 94 when i get that draft pick all right i'll take him that's fine for me because otherwise he's gonna walk in the offseason that works Les knee must be the smoothest talking son of a gun in the nfl that's the only way to describe it at this point too but that's not the only thing the rams did as well too they did something else that was a little kind of sucked and i was kind of weird surrounding it but they let deshaun jackson the speedster go who we haven't seen a whole lot of he wasn't getting a lot of burn and that's why he asked for his release or to be traded and i'm honestly surprised like i know you weren't getting a whole lot you're getting like a deep ball a game or something like that but this is your best chance to win a Super Bowl in your career, and you decide, no, nah, I, I want to bounce. Yeah, I'm shocked by this one too. Look, it, he was he, he clicked well with Matt Stafford, and it was just like I guess it wasn't enough. Maybe he still thinks he's that Deshaun, and he hasn't realized that he's kind of just a gadget player now. He's a he's exclusively a you are in to take the top off, and if the safeties roll for a second, you will probably score. But the ball's going to Cooper Cup and Van Jefferson the majority of the time, and then a little Robert Woods. Like there's there's no way around it. It's Cooper Cup's offense, and we're all just living in it. And then Van Jefferson's weirdly enough turned into the number two with Robert Woods is arguably the best number three you'll find. So 
Good luck, everybody else dealing he's, with that. He's rant number though. three with number two numbers, and <laughs> that's what's crazy. Literally, even the number two on his chest as well, too. So, yeah. real quickly, where do you think Deshaun Jackson should go? What team do you think should give him a look? I mean, I'd hate to say it, but I'd love to see him back with Philly. Talk about needing another receiver, needing a receiver that's a no, that's not a no name at this point in time. You at least get somebody that you know can do it. Um, but at the same time, I don't know if that works there. But honestly, send him like Indy needs somebody. Uh, you know, you need a burner. You have Michael Pittman, who is not a burner. You have tight ends who are not burners. No, uh, no speed anymore with T.Y. and Harris out. <laughs> like, yeah, that is not he, a fast team anymore. T.Y. Hilton's just, his he, his body's exploding at this point in time. Uh, yeah, like, at this at this point in time, I, I, I'd say Indianapolis would be interesting. Um, Here's one for you. Here's one. How about just uh, not too far of a travel? Why not just jump up to Las Vegas? They could use a burner, just a guy that your job is go deep every play. You'll get a lot more targets because you will be Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller are getting the majority of the targets. You're going to be the guy that runs deep. And we've seen Derek Carr in recent weeks. He has let it fly. And Deshaun Jackson could still fly, as we've seen. So why not there? He'll get more targets, and he'll still only have to run deep. So that's another option I like for him as well. Safe and close to home for him, too. I mean, he is actually from the L.A. area, so it's not like it's, it's it would be that far of a drive, only about a three-hour drive for him. So, yeah, not a bad, not a bad option at all for him either. I, I like those options. Little do we know, though, that is not the only receiver drama we have today, too. But first, before we get into that, we're going to look at a certain quarterback who looks like he's not going to be suiting up this week. Uh, You want to take you want I'll let you start with this John Wick scenario. Like, wow, what a mess we see with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers testing positive for COVID while everyone thought he was vaccinated and everyone treated him like he was because he said he was immunized trying to use. If I'm not mistaken, it was like homeotherapy was what it was too. Yeah, so. Homeopathic medication, a, a medicinal therapy. Sorry, is 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 the technical phrase that is was yeah. used for his appeal to the NFL. Yeah, so we don't need to get too far into this. We'll keep it real quick and short as well too. In the same vein, what are your what are your quick thoughts when you hear this sort of thing about him more or less deceiving about the vaccination status and how do you uh, what do you think are the chances with Jordan Love against Kansas City again? We'll be calling on Cast, by the way. Well, it's not just Kansas City. I mean, he's out for 10 days now. Uh, so so there's a chance miss... he can meet witness next week, too. Yeah, it's like he he, he will come back Saturday before the game. Um, and by the way, he's not the only quarterback in that quarterback room that will be missing as well. The third string, Benkert, will also be missing. So, by the way, they're bringing back Blake Bortles to attempt to, to be the backup to Jordan Love. So I, did see uh, I hope funny. Jordan Love is healthy, and I hope he does not get hurt. And... I hope he has a fantastic time and balls out like Aaron Rodgers did when he replaced Brett Favre post-broken leg. That Aaron Rodgers. I, 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 hope, I hope Jordan Love absolutely has a blast out there and, and Packers fans are so excited just to be disappointed next season when he takes over. I will say the funny one thing I thought was funny is that they, someone tweeted, I don't remember who it was, but the pack, they said the Packers released Jalen Smith just so Blake Bortles could get his number nine back, which I thought was kind of funny as well. So they bring in Jalen Smith just to release him so they give up number nine to Blake Bortles. And I'm fear Jordan Love. You can't ask for a better situation, really, to start. And sure, you're going up against Patrick Mahomes, but that's a historically worst de- worst all-time defense on the other side, one of the worst ones. And you get the full complement of weapons back, too. So, I mean, if you're drawing love, it could be worse. You get Devonta Adams, you get Aaron Jones. You, unfortunately, don't have Robert Tunyon, but I see he'll be out for the rest of the season. But you got his, most of the weapons, and you're going against one of the worst defenses you'll find all season. So, yeah, I mean. You, you look, this is his best chance to succeed, uh, really. I mean, like, if you want, you wanted a silver platter for a, a guy to come in and make his debut, like, here you go. He's not dealing what with dealing with what Mike White had to deal with last week at the Jets. Like he gets an actual opportunity to go out there and just ball out and have fun. 
And we'll see really what the real Jordan Love is this week, I, I think, for sure. That'll be fun to see. And if the Chiefs absolutely clap him, then Aaron Rodgers looks that much better with what he's able to do as well, considering he just beat the Cardinals with no receivers. So very messy situation. I'm curious to see how the NFL is going to handle that, because that's a – we took, like Cole Beasley has rightfully gotten a lot of abuse because of his stance on COVID, the vaccine and all that, and all of that rightfully so. But at least he didn't lie about it. So, I mean, at least he's got that going for him. At least he was dead on about his ignorance. He wasn't trying to sugarcoat it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's a lot of this, this COVID stuff, though. That is now causing issues, by the way. Uh, Noah Fant on the COVID list this week. Um, and then the most insane one right now is the New York Giants had 13 players and personnel members test positive, including Saquon and Xavier McKinney, as well as right guard Matt Skura. Like, what? Are we back in 2020 again? Like, are we in the twilight zone? What happened here? And, and this, again, right before, uh, yeah, uh, I mean – Man, the Giants just wow. Uh, this they 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 literally said borderline borderline breakout for this, and I'm like, no, this is a full breakout. This is 13 players. This is a forfeit in my eyes. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know how many healthy players were left on the in, in the Giants facilities, but there's I don't know if they can fill 53 53 players. Well, as we've learned, Daniel Jones is their best runner, their best thrower, and I guess he's their best hands on the team too, based on some of the, that trick play he had against the Panthers. So if you have Danny Dimes, I guess you have a chance. As long well, as you don't ask him to run 80 yards. that He'll get you 75, though, and then you could figure it out after that. But we talked about hands and the Giants, so that's going to lead us, of course, naturally, to maybe one of the underratedly big stories that's kind of taken a lot of headlines, the Odell Beckham Jr. in Cleveland situation. We saw we talked about his dad posted that video, basically. Odell open and not getting the ball every single play of the game. Well, he didn't make the video, if I'm not mistaken, but he reposted something else somebody else made. And it's caused a lot of stir. Baker had to answer the questions. Kevin Stefanski had to answer the questions. They both kind of just said, we'll see how it works out. We don't know. As of right now, he's technically not the team as he was excused from that practice. He's discussing with the GM, Andrew Barry, about will he stay? Will he go? Talking to the reps like, what a messy situation. I know he had his worst game as a pro, arguably one target for six yards against the Steelers. Like literally it was only targeted that one time. Well, one other time he was thrown to, I guess, too deep over the middle. But one catch for six yards. We already knew there was some... We've alluded to it. It's not the best situation. Like Stefanski's offense is not receiver one special, really. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's not the it's best. It's not for... based off of how individually good you can be. It's just it's, based off of who's open at the time. It's a everybody's a threat offense, although nobody's an X factor sort of thing is where everyone thrives. We saw with Stefan Diggs, he wanted out of there as well, too. They have a lot of weapons. Baker's the type of quarterback he is. He's not always the best at throwing to a number one guy. He's best at throwing across the field. And they're both injured on top of it. What do you make of this mess, too? And they obviously couldn't trade him at the deadline. Like, Wow, how things have completely melted in Cleveland. Okay, so first of all, oh, Cleveland people, fans, a front office, like you're killing me right now, guys. Uh, I I don't know. Maybe I've watched so much Odell and so much Baker that I'm expecting to see an absolute kerfuffle on the sidelines every week, and yet they haven't had that moment. And yet all these complaints have come out from – Everybody but Baker and everybody but Odell. Until this, like, now you have Odell's dad coming out. And it's like, I don't know. Maybe I've watched so much that I've expected yelling. I, Odell yelled at Eli Manning, of all people, during his time in New York. He yelled at his coaches. He didn't care. He would tell you if you were wrong. It, it, he, you better believe he's going to yell at Baker freaking Mayfield if he can't throw him the ball. So I think this is a situation where... Both players realize that this is not a great situation for them. 
they're just trying to make do with it. And and you had Baker come out and t- today and even say, like, a conversation would be great. Like, who knows what could happen with just a simple conversation. But we're just going to work through it. And if he's here with us, he's here with us. If he's not, he's not. At this point in time, we're just trying to win games. I'll put my pride and everything aside to win games because that's all I'm here for. I get judged off of winning games. And this is the same conversation that Odell's had before. Odell has many times said, I just want to win games. And you don't see the drama from Odell. So you know that there's something else behind the scenes with Odell that makes him think it's not anybody else's fault as well. Like Odell is very much a drama person if if somebody's doing something wrong and he's being unslighted by it. And I've yet to see any demonstrative activity from Odell. And let's be completely honest. There's plenty of cameras in Berea, Ohio, where they have the practice facility. You you can guarantee there would be camera tape if, if they got into anything on the practice field or... In, uh, in the locker rooms. Like, you know that's going to be leaked out in a 100%. heartbeat, and we have not seen a single thing about it. So, this Odell thing is like, man, like, they're injured. Like, injured, injured. It's been two years, and he is, and Odell's maybe played a total of 13 games in two years. Something like that, because he played all of 2019 with that abdomen tear as well, too, and put up 1,000 yards. And then last year, the ACL this year, the shoulders and just every, the ACL recovery. He they've, he's, hasn't been healthy since really but he came to the Browns honestly and Baker's had his shoulder for all of this season plus he had that whatever wrist thing last year and they've they've missed there's a stat that's out there they've missed they've oh that Baker has misthrown to Odell 27 percent of the time they've tried to connect okay receivers aren't going to catch 100 percent of the balls 80 percent 70 percent of passes that's a, a quarterback average 70 percent of completion rate that's a quarterback that's an ex- ex- excellent quarterback at 70 percent completion rate like, I don't know. I, it does feel I, like it's I think been it's a blown. little much. I just think this needs to be handled behind behind closed doors. It does feel like it's been blown out of proportion too. With LeBron, John Rand, everybody chiming in, Des Bryant, everyone's saying like, "Free Odell, let him let him go." You're holding him hostage. Everyone's kind of blown out of proportion as well too. Obviously, you can't have just two targets for him in a game. Like that's not that he's too good for that. Even when he's dinged up, like we saw them throw the screen to him. We were talking about we were calling that game on Colorcast. We were like. That's great. Why haven't you done that more? He's so elusive with the ball in his hands. Even when he's banged up, he might not be the same. But just getting him the ball, then defenses have to look at him. Like, you can't send him deep every single play. So maybe maybe it works out. I don't know. But we're going to, just for the fun of hypotheticals, we're going to say, it's from what I saw, the latest update I saw was all intensive signs say he's probably going to get released in the next couple of days. If he does get released, and we'll say he clears waiver wires because nobody wants that contract, considering you don't know what you're going to get. What's two? What's a couple of teams that you want to see to t- pick them up? And we kind of answered this a little bit to Sean. A lot of those teams probably honestly carry over, but give me your two favorites for them. Uh, I go right back to Las Vegas and and Indy uh, as the two top favorites. I mean, those are those are just too easy of a top favorite. You have Philadelphia yet again. I'll throw in there as well, and uh, New York being a, a dark horse four. And I just anywhere else, I I think they're filled and in potential places, I guess maybe Atlanta. I don't know. Um, but I will say, I do agree with you. I think of the best places when you think of Odell needs targets, he needs a quarterback who's not going to throw him the ball sort of thing and an offense that'll utilize him. I think Indy's a great spot that you mentioned as well too, because you have Carson Wentz who for all intents and purposes does not care how many defenders are near you. He will throw you the ball for better. And oftentimes for very, very worse, he will wing it down the field, 50 plus yards for Odell. He'll give him opportunities. That's guaranteed. The question is how will he slide in and fit there? They have, they have room, so it's not. I like that fit personally as well, too. There's the Raiders, obviously, like everything we mentioned with Deshaun, just slide him in there. An underrated team that they talked about, the Saints, that's another team that he's linked to, but Taysom Hill's throwing you the ball because Jameis Winston's out for the year. Trevor Simeon's throwing you the ball. 
Uh, good. I don't know. I mean, I like the fit, but I don't like the quarterback. Yeah. I don't like that part of it. I mean, otherwise you're right back where you are. And then another one, New England doesn't sound half bad. If because Mac Jones, he's he does spread the ball around. He can throw it down the field a little bit. He's not exactly a rocket gunslinger, but he can sling. We saw what he did with Devontae Smith. He got him the ball when he had Jalen Waddle. He got them the ball. So, and if New England has that threat, it might open things up a whole lot more because they have the tight ends, they have the running backs, you have Josh McDaniels. I think they can make it work. He won't be quite Odell, but he'll be better than he's been the last two years. You know, it'd be a really fun one. And this, I don't think it could possibly happen, but it would just be super fun to watch. Please don't say Tampa Bay. I'm not going to say Tampa Bay. Okay. Cause I just don't even want that negative energy out there. We talk about Tyreek being a gadget number one, and he's just a gadget because he's like, he's a number one because that's just the offense. Imagine Odell with Kansas city. Like that might fix a lot of your woes there, Patty. You can just throw it up to Odell or potentially cost more picks, but you can at least throw it up to Odell every play at that point in time. I mean, Odell would love that. And then I'd also add Buffalo in there. It's just like a really fun one to watch them just go out and absolutely dominate. Get there with Stefan Diggs on one side, him on the other. That would be insane to watch. Well, Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders in the slots. Just it's over for everybody at that point. That's that's broken. I like Sorry, the Gabriel Davis. You're not getting any burn now. Sorry, Gabriel. You probably are going. You probably have to go too, unfortunately. But those both those teams would be insane. I think Kansas City would be an outstanding fit as well, too, because you know Patrick will throw in the ball. You have Tyreek on the other side taking safety help. Travis Kelsey only in the middle of the field. More often than not, defense are going to have to be like, all right, we'll have to let Odell beat us. We'll leave him single coverage with the number three corner at this point because you have to also keep an eye on Michael Hardman. And who knows? Maybe he can still beat you even while he's dinged up. So that's not a bad fit at all. That was well, too. And they need a spark to turn their season around. So I think there's a plenty of, there's a market out there for me. Even if they don't want to, if he hits free agency and clears waivers because nobody wants that contract, there's a market out there for him. But I don't even know if he'll clear waivers, honestly. I could realistically see somebody being like, we'll take the contract. It's not guaranteed beyond this year, if I'm not mistaken. So, We'll, we'll eat it for a year. I can see Vegas pulling, pulling the trigger on that contract or even Indy because they have that cap space. So much cap space. Exactly. God, so both, much cap space. Yeah, both of them just like, all right, we'll deal with it for a year and we'll figure it out later. He's still young. Jacksonville now. as well has a lot of cap space and I don't really think about them, but I mean. You never know. DJ Sharks out, replace him with another LSU receiver, I guess. But I mean, that's, I don't want even to think about that mess. Urban Meyer, there's a problem enough. And then I don't want to say, geez. Yeah, but before we get out of here and head into the main event, Real quick, there are some things that need to be announced. That is Mike Thomas is out for the season because of a setback due to the high-wire ankle surgery. Um, so go figure with that. So he will be out. And then Montez Sweat, broken jaw, and will miss up to at least one month, if not two, as it heals. Uh, played with a broken jaw for the second half of the game this last week. Wow. Yeah, that the Washington's the cursed team, one of the cursed teams this year, like a playoff team that just can't get out of its own way. That that's their turn this year. They're they're out of the, they're they're done at this point too. And as far as far as Mike Thomas goes, I was going to talk about him some of the lows, but since we're here, we'll go and get out of the way now. He just ever since he had that record breaking season, he has not been the same. I know it's been injuries. You don't want to fault somebody for injuries, but damn, at this point, it feels like his tenure in with with New Orleans is all but done at this point. If the trade deadline was still elongated, I could see. New Orleans trying to move him for a future pick and somebody who's taking a long-term investment on him at this point. He's it's considering the spats he's had with teammates, coaching staff, basically cutting them off in the off season at one point, all that stuff. You guys can look it up for the exact details. If you haven't heard about it, but he just hasn't been on the same page with him since that record breaking season. And now the injuries on top of it, what it's been really, really messy. Mike Thomas is no longer uh, always open. Can't guard Mike. It feels like it feels like he is 
basically relegated to slant boy until proven otherwise. Yeah. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Absolutely. Well, that was our tip-off, which, by the way, should, we probably should have just redone, redone that one as main event because, man, that was a lot to cover. Um, but we got our three highs, three lows coming up, and that is the main event brought to you by Swift Lifestyles. If you guys haven't checked out Swift Lifestyles yet, head on over to the link in our bio. It'll take you to our link tree. Click on that. Get the Swift Lifestyles pre-workout. It is absolutely fantastic. One of the healthier ones on the market. And as DJ says, every time it doesn't give him the jitters like every other pre- pre-workout does. So, you know, if you're like me as well, I get the jitters every time. I hate it. I've loved Swift Lifestyles, and I haven't gotten that crash afterwards either. So be sure to check that out. And if you guys put in high-low sports as your coupon code, you get up, you get 15% off of your order. So not a bad way to try it out. Not at all. And it doesn't give you that weird itchy feeling too, like an itchy, itchy butter, anything like that. Like he has some workouts where you basically have to run through it to get it to sit there and not make you uncomfortable. So definitely highly recommend it too. We might've taken a scoop or two even before this recording. Maybe a little bit, maybe, maybe, maybe one, <laughs> maybe twice. Who knows? But so DJ hit us with your first high, your first low. All right. I'm going to keep this first low simple. I mean, it was going to be Mike Thomas, but we already talked about it. So I'm going to change it to something else. The first low I'm looking at the Vikings, you're competing for a playoff spot, fighting for that, seventh seed area and you lose to not only did you lose to the cowboys you lost to cooper rush but after he threw a touchdown to amari cooper at towards the end of the game how do you that's got to be embarrassing i know you lost daniel hunter for the season in that game but your team is entirely too talented you have justin jefferson adam thielen dalvin cook mike you have way too much talent to be losing to to a cowboys team that's missing their starting quarterback you let you kind of you didn't even contain CD lamb. Really? He still got his, he just didn't absolutely go ballistic. You kept Zeke from going completely ballistic, I guess, but there's no reason you lose that game in prime time, a team that you've done pretty well against in recent years. That's on the Vikings. Like what they're doing right now is not working. They got way too much talent. I don't know if it is just Kirk cousins. And he has to go. I don't know if it's Mike Zimmer, but they got it. They're going to be stuck in that middle tier, almost mediocrity feel if they don't make a change here soon. That one, something's got to change there. That's just, I, I don't, I still don't understand how you lose that game with all that talent. Like, I feel like, plug in most quarterbacks and most head coaches and most there's just no way to lose. I know the Cowboys are good. They should be looked out for, but really you let Cooper rush piece you up and win the game to Amari Cooper at the end of the game. Yeah, I have, I have a, actually a low related exactly to this. So I'll, I'll save my commentary until that, which will be very shortly, but, but I agree with you wholeheartedly. All right. I'm going to go to a high where the team is a low. I'm not They're not one of my low state, but the Colts with a pretty bad performance against the Titans down the stretch. But one guy who's really stood out this last month as a change is the second-year receiver, Michael Pittman Jr. out of USC. Last year, he had the early season injuries, had a few flashes here and there, only finished like one touchdown. Wasn't great last year, but had some flashes. This year, he has come on very, very strong for the team. He's looking at, he has 45 receptions for 594 yards, four touchdowns, all of them coming in the last handful of weeks, if I'm not mistaken. Two of them against the Titans early in that game. Then that one to close out the game against the 49ers, plucking that fade route out of a monsoon. A, a bomb cyclone is the exact meteorological term. He just went up and snagged that one for the game ceiling touchdown. He's a big 6'4", 220-pound guy. He runs clean routes. You mentioned earlier he's not a burner by any means, but you just he, screw it. He up there somewhere. He's starting to enter that category as well, too. The play bit against the Ravens, those plays I mentioned. 
And we saw we talked about Carson Wentz's stupid interception in overtime, trying to force it to Michael Pittman in triple coverage. Well, that's because in regulation on third down, I think it was while running for his life, Carson threw it up to Michael Pittman in triple coverage, and he came down with it for 37 yards on what proved to be the game tying drive. So Michael Pittman's got to look out for. We talk about Indy needs more weapons; they need a burner because Ty and Paris are down. But Michael Pittman's established himself as he might be that number one guy in a similar mold to a. I don't want to say he's Mike Evans, obviously, but a similar type of play set, that big body style guy, where if you leave him one-on-one, good luck. He, he doesn't run the most routes. Cross the field, run straight, deep out routes. He'll just be big on you. So he's a guy, look out for him to emerge, especially on the second half of the season if the Colts can uh, not be the Colts the rest of the way. Yeah, and by the way, shout out, because you called Michael Pittman being a really good NFL receiver when he came out of the draft. So He was actually my receiver four in that draft. I, I mean, so that we'll take that as is. Granted, I had him ahead of Justin Jefferson, so I was wrong in that regard. But like, you know, you can't win I, them all. No, we, one, we were all wrong about Justin Jefferson. I think we all th- we thought he'd be good and was a first round caliber guy. I just didn't know he was going to be the best of the class already. I didn't like. like I didn't think he would already be the best. I didn't think he'd be the by a country mile. Well, Ceedee Lamb's actually not too far behind, but that, that's a really close race. But yeah, okay, fair enough, fair enough. But like, I didn't think it. I didn't think it would be. He would be the best one to start with CD pushing the gap on my. We had it when we did that. I had CD, Judy, Ruggs, then, excuse me, Pittman, then Jefferson. That was my top five in that draft. But uh, yeah, Pittman's looking, he's actually looking really good. So I, I like the way his game is developing now that he's healthy and it feels like he has a quarterback that just kind of throws it up to him, sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. Yeah. So now back to, to my highs and lows and uh, uh, just to play off your, your Minnesota one, uh, Adam Thielen taking shots at Mike Zimmer, perceived shots at Mike Zimmer after the game. Uh, which, by the way, I think is fantastic, and you hmm. wholeheartedly should if you're Adam Thielen because you are the leader on the team. So if you're wondering what he said, the question asked to him was, is there just high frustration, Adam? You have talent, obviously, all around the field. The potential is there for this group to do more. In, in his response, Thielen says, and I quote, yeah, I would say if you aren't frustrated, there's something wrong with you and you shouldn't be on this team. You shouldn't be a coach if you aren't frustrated. We want to win. We want to put in the effort. We do the, We do put the effort in week to week, every single day of practice. We have the guys, the quality guys, the good football players on this team to do it. So if you're not frustrated, there's something wrong. We have to find a way. Now, that's the whole quote. Do you notice there is not a single mention of coaches after the, if you're not a coach, if you're not bothered, if you're, if you're not bothered, you don't belong to coach this team. There's not a single other mention of coaches as being as part of the goods. That's all bad. Um, so yeah, congratulations, Adam Thielen. You, uh, probably not a good look for a lot of people, but thank you for saying what we've all been saying. And that's that coaching staff is struggling because there's no offensive buts about it. They started off really great in Minnesota, but I feel like their time is just kind of coming to an end. Like it was a good run, but sometimes you just need to change things up. Something has to change and it's just not getting done in recent memories. Like Mike Zimmer is a quality coach, a fantastic defensive mind, but it's not clicking. The Kirk Cousins experiment has been all but a failure at this point. And they have talent across the board. They, Something needs to change there. Maybe it is the quarterback and it's just the quarterback. Maybe it's the head coach, but coaching wise, they have really, really struggled like time management, those sort of things in recent years too. Yeah. I mean, look, it, this, this coaching staff has kind of been pieced apart the last couple of years too. So that's something, and they never really replaced them, replaced them for real. So that's something to consider. Uh, but to my high, I'm going with the team who just got their first win, the Jets and Mike White specifically. Uh, congratulations to him on his first win. He actually had his jersey and game ball flown here to Canton, Ohio, and inducted into the Hall of Fame. Why, you might ask? Well, because as a debut debutant quarterback, he had 37 completions, which is the most ever for a debut quarterback, and he's the second quarterback ever since 1950 to throw for over 400 yards in his debut. Wow. For a guy who is, I don't even know where he came from, <laughs> Mike White, 
uh, taking over for Zach Wilson and all of all Zach Wilson's done for you, uh, which is nothing so far this <laughs> season, by the way. Um, yeah, look, uh, if you're the Jets, maybe you're like, wow, did we just find that dude? Did you did you just Washington this? Did you just get Mike White off of waivers and, and you draft, you know, Zach Wilson, he doesn't do anything like RG3 and Kirk Cousins, basically? Like, what, what just happened here? Did we get a situation with Matt Flynn and Russell Wilson in Seattle a few years ago where you start the low gray? I mean, what's going on here? And on top of that, he was the a- he was the AFC player of the week, if I'm not mistaken, or at least a- the FedEx air player of the week. And not to mention as well, on top of that, there was somebody who bet $1,000 that he would lead the week in passing yards and won $125,000 off that. So send him, a, send him some of that money. What a sensational performance against a team that was on fire in the Cincinnati Bengals, who we kind of should have known. They're, for everything great they are, they do. They they look great. They stumble against the Bears. They look great. They stumble. This, this. I even said it too. They, they you know I gave him props for not bungling up the Lions one, but I'm like, there's a trap game ahead of the Jets. Mm. Don't bungle this one. Well, they bungled it. And now they have the Browns coming as well too. So a team that they could maybe bungle the Browns. We'll see. The Browns need them more than them. So that's great job for the Jets. And then they have a short week with the Colts going to the Colts as well too. So we'll see if Mike White can double down on that too. A very injured a injured Colts secondary as well. Maybe we see two 400 yard passing games to start his career, a la Cam Newton. Or do we see Joe Flacco come back and that would be the most now, Jets thing? He's do. now a new Jet as well, so maybe the Jets decide to pull a pull a, a fast one on us and go Joe Flacco against the Colts. That'd be the most Jets thing to do is just to plug in Joe Flacco yet again. That'd be right. That'd be right on par with the history with the recent history of him. Absolutely. All right, DJ. So next highs and lows. We'll keep this on quick. So we talked about earlier. My next high. I'm looking at the LA Rams. We talked about the trade for Von Miller, everything like that. They're, I don't know if they're playing chess or checkers or what game they're playing while the rest of us are playing Scrabble, but my goodness, they seem to have it figured out. I know they haven't won a Super Bowl, but they've still been to one. They were in the playoffs last year as a wild card and won a playoff game. They they look at what they're doing right now. It's very, it goes against all the principles of football. It feels like you don't trade away draft picks. You don't give up the draft. Draft is where you make your team. You don't overpay for stars. You don't trade for stars. You have to pay blah, blah, blah. The Rams are arguably, if we were doing power rankings, would we say they might be the best team in the league if we did it power rankings? I mean, one or two somewhere in there. They're not very far down the list. You're top three for sure. Easily like a potential Super Bowl favorite. And now you add Von Miller, a Super Bowl MVP. We talked about all that already. You, you saw Matt Stafford on the line. Everybody, a lot of teams inquired about him. Indy inquired about him. Everyone else did. They're like, you know what? What do you want Detroit? We'll make that happen. Not just like, Oh, we'll offer you this. So they basically handed him a blank check and said, this guy's going to win for us. The only stipulation is to take Jared Goff, but we'll give you whatever else you want. They, they went out and got their guy. They look, they needed some secondary hope after that Super Bowl where they were an offensive juggernaut. Oh, Jalen Ramsey's a little unhappy. Jacksonville, here's a blank check. What do you want? Like they just have a, they're going after proven commodities, which has historically been proven wrong, but they're getting them in a point of their career where they're still very effective. There's no imminent downside or decline. And they're just building around those guys. It's a very unique, they're doing an NBA style basically where they're getting your key two or three X factors and just filling in the role players. Like it'll be fine. As opposed to like the Patriot way where, you have just a bunch of value players. You have a bunch of seven and eights instead of, but not a whole lot of nine and tens. Rams have a, like three, four tens, and then just a bunch of fives and sixes that play up to sevens around those guys. So I'm going to give the Rams a shout out to the way they're, the way they're building the team. We'll see if it pays off this season. It does feel like they have a one to two year window with all of this with Matthew Stafford, depending on if he now can play till he's 40, cause he's no longer at Detroit. Who knows? But the, the way they're doing things, it's very unorthodox, but it seems to be uh, working very kindly. So I'm going to give them a little bit of a shout out for that. I respect it. I love, you know, I hey, love, love what they're doing right now. And if it doesn't pay off, well, that at least you went for it. I mean, I mean, at least you tried. At least you didn't just sit there on a bunch of draft picks that didn't amount to anything or waste, sit on a bunch of money or anything like that. At least you gave it a shot. I mean, even the fan base, all four of them can't really hate that. 
So that leads me to my next low as well. This one's, it's a loose low, but I'm looking at Damian Lillard right now to start the season. Eight, well, he is top five in assists at about 8.9. His his points per game is at like 18 points per game. That's 40th, tied for 40th with in the league as far as points per game. I never thought I'd say about Damian Lillard. He's shooting 34% from the field. From three, he's shooting like 23%. That's does that sound that doesn't sound like Damian Lillard at all. That sounds like Ben Simmons at this point. I mean, his free throw percentage is still in the 90s at least, but he just hasn't looked too great so far as well. So I want to see Damian Lillard. I hope he can get out of this funk, and I'm sure he will by the time this, but probably within two minutes after this releases, it'll be a cold take. But Damian Lillard has not looked not looked very sharp, and his PR is only at 14. He's not looked like Damian Lillard early on, and it's only mildly concerning because his Dame, he'll get his way out of it. But I don't like the starts of the season more because he's normally a guy you could count on all the way through. Yeah, no, Dame is uh, struggling to say the least right now. Uh, but that'll take me into my highs and lows, and I'm gonna start with my highs, and that's another team from the West, uh, the Warriors right now. Man, they are absolutely firing on all cylinders. Uh, second in the, second in the West right now, and on top of that, only one loss. They play again. To, they play while we're recording this, actually, so I, they might lose tonight. But they're five and one currently. Could be six and one, or could be five and two. But Clay Thompson is coming back, and that dude has two years worth of frustration. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget, this dude put up sixty on three dribbles. With two years worth of frustration, he might put up eighty on one dribble. It's just a matter of time. So we'll have to see that. I mean, that team is just absolutely high flying right now. It looks like we talked about it last time. The old first edition warriors where they were just running all over the place, shooting it up and just not caring. Whatever happens, happens. Strength in numbers is back. Hopefully. Yeah. So, but that'll lead me to the low and that's no offense. The Broncos drama. And if you don't know what the Broncos drama is a lot of, a lot coming out around the Halloween party for Von Miller, him, him saying that, you know, he didn't want to do the party, and a lot of players are like, yeah, we want to do the party. Well, it turns out they ended up doing the party anyways, despite Von Miller trying to cancel it. They still had his party. And then, like, well, people that showed up didn't want to pay, and that caused Von Miller to be like, yo, what the heck, man? Uh, Noah Fant, obviously, came out, and he was the one that kind of backed up all the story on a local radio show with Brandon Stokely. And now Noah Fant's being told, like, fans are saying Noah Fant needs to be traded because Von Miller was traded because of supposedly this. It's like, man, can... Broncos, like you don't have any reason to have drama. You guys are were three and zero, and now you're three and three, and now it's just it's just a crap show, and just let it go. Hmm. You know, it's, it's it's Elsa singing "Let It Go" at this point in time because you've already let go of Von Miller. Don't trade, don't trade Noah Fant. If you're John Elway, please don't listen to the fans and trade Noah Fant because you need him if you're going to ever have success anytime soon. That's your uh, that's basically your offensive cornerstone at this point. You don't really have a future quarterback. Your receivers are young and hurt a lot. He's he's your strong piece. So I mean, I, I wouldn't trade him either. I agree with you on that one. He's your he's your staple at this point. Yeah, but so go ahead. Final final high, final low. We'll keep this quick. First for my final high, Paul George, PG thirteen himself. The Clippers have been an absolute travesty this year so far. Early on, not looking good at all. But Paul George himself, second in the league in points per game behind Steph Curry by point four at twenty eight point three. He's almost leading the league in scoring. Three-pointers made per game, 3.8, just under four. Top five in the league. Steals per game, three steals per game, leading the league by 0.4 over Jimmy Butler. We talked about Pete, way off George, playoff P, all of everything, you could, pandemic George, everything you could think of with him, like George Paul. There's a thousand nicknames for him not doing his thing. Right now, he's playing absolutely sensational. Granted, for a team severely underachieving, but he has been he's done a really good job during that playoff little stretch without Kawhi into now, kind of reshaping the narrative of like, okay, I am still that dude. I still can't go head to head with anybody. There was actually the clip of him and Steph talking trash, like shoot it from the logo. Steph shoots it from the logo. He G's okay. Comes back and fires a deep three of his own. Like he can hang with just about anybody. If the Clippers can get there, you know what together, they might be able to turn this thing around at the back end, the way Paul George is playing. But 
there's a lot of things they got to fix around him. So that's a story for another day. So that'll take me into my next highs, or excuse me, my final low. And I'm looking at the New Orleans Pelicans. You are one and seven. You are the worst team in the league comfortably. And you, you have way too much talent. You have Brandon Ingram, all-star. Zion Williams, I know he's hurt, and but you still built around him as well. So you traded away Lonzo and all those pieces. There's no way you should be the worst team in the league comfortably. You should not have be one and seven at any point. You have still too much talent for that. You still have guys out there. When Zion, maybe if Zion comes back and they make a playoff run, maybe he ends up being that big of a difference maker. But from what I look at this team, there's no way they should be one and seven. They're severely underachieving. No, I, I completely agree with that, man. That that team should be way above one and seven. Yeah, the whole Zion thing. How do you drop the ball that bad on his rehab? Like, how do you how do you let him get that that out of shape? I don't I don't get. Um, but yeah, that'll I don't get it. Uh, speaking of out of shape, that'll take me to my final low. And that is the Celtics team. The Celtics team is talk about a team struggling. Well, Marcus Smart comes out and says, "I just want to play basketball." Right now, it's obvious that Jalen Smith, uh, Jalen Brown, and 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 uh, Jason Tatum are the obvious people that people you know target on our offense to basically stop them because they won't pass the ball. You know, we have guys that know how to play basketball, and the next evolution for them is to go and learn how to pass the ball and make make their team better. Well, that's true. Um, but then on top of that, you also have Jalen Brown coming out and saying, "Well, I have still." residual issues from covid it's like okay well crap now what what else are you gonna blame now celtics like you are struggling and i feel like the wheels are coming off right now brad stevens in the, in the front office uh not there to kind of keep a lid on things in the uh the locker room so yeah yeah and marcus smart obviously he's been talking all off season um and just continues to do so and maybe put his foot in his mouth this time one too many times um but yeah it's i don't know what to think about the celtics team they're struggling and it does not look good right now at least they have Al Horford leading the league in blocks at three a game, I guess. At least you got that going for you. I mean, there's a silver lining. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown still are top 10 in scoring each, but it's not pretty and it's not efficient. And you talked about Jalen Brown. One game scores 43, then the next game he scores 10. Like he says, it feels each game feels like three games. Maybe you should just play. Maybe you should go on the Kawhi Leonard load management situation. Then I don't know at this point. You're right, though. There's way too much team in this team, too much talent on this team to be playing like this. Exactly. And now to the other team, uh, to another team in the East that, well, surprisingly, is my high. Again, I've actually talked about him before, and now we'll talk about it again. The Chicago Bulls continue a hot start, now 8-2. and two. Uh, They just lost to the Sixers. And look, DeMar DeRozan giving you 27 a game. This is vintage Rosen. This is like straight up right out of Toronto level DeRozan that led him to the first playoff run. Uh, Zach Levine giving you 25.8. Healthy Zach Levine, by the way. Is absolutely fantastic. Both are shooting above 34% from three. DeMar gave me a 38.9 from three. And by the way, Lonzo Ball, you want to talk about his three-point shot? A cool 40.7% from three this season. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's 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 on fire right now. Um, this team is just absolutely fantastic. I talked about their defense last game, uh, last time we, ta- we talked about them, and then this time it's DeMar DeRozan, uh, Zach Levine, Lonzo on that offense. This team is stepping up. Uh, Alex Crusoe when he's in. Giving you 46% from the field, 41.2% from three, eight, eight, basically eight points a game. I mean, you can't ask for more. Vucevic giving you 13.8. This team looks fantastic right now. They can run with anybody. And they're, we talked about too, they're a team that's usually pretty healthy and they're they're flying all over the place. They're going to be a team that they're going to cause a lot of problems during the regular season. Playoffs, we'll see when we get closer. We're six games in, but that's a, that's a team to worry about if you're the Eastern Conference. And that'll take us now to crunch time brought to you by ColorCast. You know all about ColorCast. You'll catch us there multiple times this weekend as well, too. Stay tuned on our social media pages for that schedule. But Kelsey, what's on your minds for the rants, recaps, and ranking section of our podcast? 
man, I'm going to keep it easy this week. I'm just going to talk about what we got coming up. Uh, we have a triple header this weekend. We have the Auburn A&M game on Saturday. That game will be calling for CBS because, let's be honest, nobody wants to listen to that CBS broadcast. Looking at you, Gary. SEC on CBS broadcast. You can watch it, but you don't want to listen to it, trust me. You can listen to us instead on ColorCast. And then on Sunday, we got a doubleheader. I uh, cannot wait for that as well. Just a whole lot of fun. That's Green Bay. And, uh, wow, my brain just shut off. Jordan Love versus Patrick Mahomes. That'll be it. That'll be quite the matchup we had in mind when we decided to do it, too. It wasn't the Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes we were hoping for, but this will do, I guess, right? The guy they said is the next Patrick Mahomes before the draft. Yeah, we get to see the coming out party for Jordan Love and and take on on Patty and this this struggling Chiefs team. And then at 7 o'clock, we get to see what a fantastic time Matt Stafford's going to have against this Titans defense. So... That's what we got to be looking forward to. So that's my, that's, I kept it simple for once. I, I don't know. I didn't go on a rant today. I did my rant earlier in the episode. That, that's fair. And I don't really have a rant or recap or a ranking. I'm going to look ahead too, but I'm not going to look ahead to those. I'm going to say, we, I talked about it last week. We're going to bring it back. What a spoiled time it is for Fisticuffs fans. As we got another UFC banger this week. We, last week, UFC 267 was off the charts. It was fantastic. Saw Glover Teixeira at 44 years old win his, I think his 42 years old win it, win the championship. Fantastic job for him. This weekend, to not to be outdone. Colby Covington versus Kamaru Usman two in New York. Obviously very heated, a whole lot of venom back and forth. Despite all of that, as much as everyone hates Colby Covington or the few people that like him as well, too. There's a whole lot of it. There's a lot to look at in there as well, too. So I'm looking forward to that one. Colby's the two best fighters in that weight class. You had Rose Namajunas, Wei Li Zhang, rematch for the for the belt to two at women's women's straw weight. Two of the, the two best of that weight class as well. Then Michael Chandler versus Justin Gaethje, which is literally rock and sock and robots. Two hardest punchers in it, arguably. Two fantastic wrestlers, insane cardio. There's, they literally have both said, "Well, either I'm getting knocked out or I'm knocking him out." That is, they have both said that, not just one of them. They have both basically said, "Well, we're either going to finish or get finished." So, uh, I'm winning. Fi- one of us is winning fifty thousand dollars. That is their punchline for this. Basically, is their winning bonus. So, can't wait for this UFC event. It's been a, it's a good time for fight fans too. It was, it was a little dull there, but it's picked up some steam. You might say they added the spice to their life finally here with this, the, the last month of cards. A, a little bit, yeah, and then there's still some other good ones coming up later in the year as well, too. It is far from over. UFC is spiking right now. It's the wonderful time of year. It feels like holiday season. They really spike things forward, and I'm looking forward to as well. Hopefully that spice kicks in. We have an absolute banger of a card. I would not want to miss this one, and I don't plan on it. I plan on looking forward, looking forward to that one as well, too. Maybe I'll jump in a few color casts and talk some trash with some people, too. We, we might have to. I, I believe our friend Live with David might be calling UFC. We might have to jump in and co-cast with them or something. We'll figure something out. It should be a fun time. But definitely, Fisticuffs fans, you're, it's a good time to be alive. And stay tuned to our social media for more updates, guys. As always, anytime we're on ColorCast, anytime we're going live for 4th and 4, anything like that, be sure to check it out because uh, we will send out the notifications there. But as always, guys, for DJ, I'm Kelsey. We'll see you next time. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. 
Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.